Welcome back, Dog Nation. It is again time for the largest cocktail party in all of the world. It's Georgia versus Florida. They got a new coach down in Gainesville, and the Gators are looking to play the spoiler. I'm Keegan, he's Cheeto, and this is Dogs Off the Leash. So as the University of Georgia comes out of the bye week, we have been talking about this November stretch for quite some time, and we are geared up and ready to go. I think we're going to get some players coming back from injury as we make this run, starting with the University of Florida. But first, before we hop into that, I think it's an appropriate time for us to uh, mention some of UGA's most legendary players in the past, uh, way in the past and most recent past, but wanted to start with Charlie Trippy, who passed away. I believe it was early last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Keegan, fill us in on uh, Trippy, his passing and what he meant to the UGA program. Well, I doubt too many of us really know Charlie Trippy in a uh, full on visual sense. You know, we, most of us probably never watched him play. He died Absolutely. at the grand age of a hundred years old, but Jim Thorpe, Bear Bryant, and Keith Jackson all called him the greatest they ever saw. And when you got people like Jim Thorpe, Bear Bryant, and Keith Jackson. Legends in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the greatest of all time in their own right, saying that he was the greatest they ever saw. You know, it just kind of speaks volumes. Like Charlie Trippy, he kind of gets forgotten about. And, you know, I'll be honest, like I knew who he was. I knew he was important, but. It is sadly when someone passes that you can really take time to, you know, appreciate what they did. But let me just like read out to you guys some of the things. Uh, 1942 national champion. So it kind of gets an asterisk because it was d- during a world war, <laughs> and you know, for great for good reason, maybe just like a COVID year. But like that was one of Georgia's national championships. The first. I, the first, you know, so 1942, he was a big part of that team, him and Frank, uh, sin, sin, sam- not sandwich, sandwich, <laughs> I believe it is. Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Sandwich. <laughs> sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, he, and just one notable thing he had in, since it is Florida week, he had four touchdowns in 1942 against Florida, oh, one passing, God. two rushing and one interception return for a touchdown. The guy was kind of known to play all over the field. He was a dude do it all kind of guy like he he really was a swiss army knife at one point they even had him punting back in the day and this is a legendary story where in some particular game i couldn't recant or tell you which the ball flies over his head it's one of his you know first or second times punting and that's actually like how he was making a break on the field at the time the ball goes flying over his head he runs back towards his own end zone picks it up Starts weaving, starts breaking tackles, takes it all the way for a touchdown on a, on a misfire over the top. So the guy really was just a game breaker athlete, and you know he ended up being the uh, second in the Heisman voting, like probably his best season. But then that same next year, he went on in 1945 to be, uh, you know, one of Georgia's first NFL draft picks, and you know, 
fact checkers fact check me. He might have been the first number one overall pick from the UGA. Uh, he went on to be, a, you know, an amazing baseball player. He spent time with the Braves, the Phillies, Yankees. He was a, a mini sport athlete. This dude uh, did it all. I didn't even realize. Yeah, he was a star for the Chicago Cardinals in in the uh, late forties, and he was the first. He finished first in the NFL with uh, oh, nearly fifteen hundred all-purpose yards. And he was a part of the uh, one of the greatest backfields ever, the Chicago Cardinals. Uh, they called it the dream backfield. And he ended up leading the team to a Super Bowl. And I believe it was, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm losing I'm losing my notes, but somewhere late in the 1940s. So, gosh, guys, he led UGA to national championship, arguably, led, you know, the Chicago Cardinals at the time to a Super Bowl and beyond his stat sheet, he just, you know, really carried a lot of weight as, you know, a personality and as a figure. Kirby Smart is noted upon, you know, visiting Charlie Trippy in his home in Athens uh, late in his 90s. And by all accounts, he just had a big personality. He was a uh, Pro Bowl QB in 1952. They had him, you know, switching positions. Um, you know, he, re- he really did it all. So, uh, you guys do some research, go look at these stats. I'm kind of, I have the stats all in front of me. Um, they are impressive, you know, 3,500 career rushing yards, uh, nearly 3,000 career passing yards, nearly 1,400 uh, career receiving yards. Um, you know, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. And I could go on and list a thousand more things, but, you know, stats aren't really the legacy that's not the biggest thing for legacy in my opinion and when you lose someone you don't want to quantify them to just numbers and things that they did you you hear talk about charlie trippy around you know the athens program uh just the community at large rather even and just hear hearing people talk about um just his impact and kind of how they valued him as a dog and I guess it's when people like Vince Dooley, Kirby Smart, it's the people who are the DGDs of DGDs say that Charlie Trippy is in their uh, high esteemed regard. If not, maybe some would say the goat of Bulldogs. I mean, it's it's kind of all hearsay. And at the end of the day, it's really just about appreciating a great. So with further. No, he was your fa- he was your favorite athletes, favorite athlete. And I think when you start talking about it that way, like it gives you just a real a real sense of like how prominent he he was he was the goat before being a goat was like a thing you know what i mean like he he really all all types of records you saw he was all around in sports all around in each sport like you don't get athletes like that um these days or ever if ever so a rare breed one of a kind no doubt i'm being tasked with talking on someone's legacy uh, that when you realize and start really digging deep, you, you kind of, you're like, well, you know, maybe he's on the Mount Rushmore for Georgia football, maybe UJ athletics period, you know, which is a bold statement, but at the end of the day, a great, a DGD and RIP to you, Charlie Trippy. hope putting these young, uh, dog fans and maybe some like myself who maybe, you know, you were not around back in the day and, you know, 80 years ago when, when it was his prime and, you know, there's really not uh, much live football going on anyway. So it it was worth noting upon. And that actually leads us into talking about another UJ legend, one more familiar to most. Uh, 
and just recently just kind of being in the news and the spotlight we we're hearing his name a lot and you know it's just worth talking about and i know cheeto wanted to kind of dig into it so cheeto why don't you uh kind of take <laughs> take the baton for me yeah so from going to one legend to another uh, just a little bit more in recent news I- i'm sure as most listeners i would guess are georgia natives so you guys have been getting all this stuff in the mail um you see, you know, whether it's for Herschel Walker running for Georgia Senate or the incumbent Raphael Warnock. And um, we're not really big on getting into politics, and this is not going to be a smear campaign or like pro either side. Just want to just want to talk about it because I think these things warrant conversation. And again, we're talking about legends and Herschel happens to be in the spotlight right now. So let's chop it up a bit. So, as I said, it's it's a tight race right now between Warnock and um, Herschel and Herschel is even more so for our generation, a beloved a beloved icon, member of the UGA community. As far as his accolades go, I uh, just want to touch on some of those. Herschel Walker, most people are familiar with the story, three-time All-American, actually the first freshman to be uh, named an All-American uh, back in the day. 1980, our second national championship. Uh, he was definitely a big part of that natty as we outlasted Notre Dame and Herschel Walker was one of those running backs you don't see it as much these days especially at UJ where we have running back by committee but Herschel was the definition of a workhorse back I mean 20 carries is a good bit in today's game this this man was getting 30 35 40 40 plus in some games just because we had we we needed it and he was just so talented good luck if if he's touching the ball 40 times getting a win but also, 1982 um, was the year that made his career stand out outside of the Natty, outside of 1981. Three years in a row, he finished, I think, top three in Heisman voting. But it wasn't until 1982 where Herschel Walker actually won the Heisman and was called the Maxwell Player of the Year, given to the best play, given to, there's distinctions between the two, but the, the Maxwell Award, which is another very prominent award. Um, finished that season with 1,752 rushing yards, added Ooh. 16 touchdowns. The University of Georgia went 11-0 in the regular season. Um, I didn't get the Florida – I should have got the Florida stats for that year, but I believe that was a come-behind win and then uh, a close one, and we ended up edging them. Won the SEC championship, but we did lose in the national championship to Penn State, I believe it was, 27 to 23. So as far as Herschel Walker goes as the football player, couldn't couldn't ask for a better representative for the University of Georgia. Now, some people may feel like as far as the political realm, that he's also a good face for the state of Georgia. Others may disagree, um, but I think we should just uh, call it what it is. I, I don't know if any of you've watched the debate. Let me let me just put my Keegan out. I'd love to pose the question to you as well, like kind of where I'm at when it comes to not just athletes, but actors and all these people running for office. I get it. These parties put these people up front because of recognition and it's about votes. At the end of the day, it's about votes. And I completely understand that. But for me, I struggle with this this trend that we're going. I think the trend's really been picked up since the days of, of Reagan, but where we feel as if in every other realm of employment, you have to have a resume that shows the experience and the qualifications to do the job. It's 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 present everywhere else, but for some reason in politics, like we just don't, we 
we don't care about that or we don't know about that or we just bury our heads in the sand when it comes to that. But I mean, and you can go down the list um, from from Ronald Reagan to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, who they're trying to push forward. He's he said no, but they're trying to do that. You've got Kanye, who is just getting blasted in the media right now. But you remember his quote unquote presidential run. Some people think it was just to siphon off votes from the Democrat Party. Call it what you will. I'm not here to be the judge of that, but I think it's very apparent what that was about. Um, Donald Trump's background being on The Apprentice and being, you know, the mogul and in his business world. Um, And then Herschel Walker now. So I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of that for me as far as picking candidates, whether it's from the Senate stage all the way up to the presidential race. I'm really big on policy plus resume. You can talk about somebody's character. But at the end of the day, it is going to come down to policies. And I mean, does Herschel Walker strike you as a guy who has, quote unquote, policies? I think right now he's being pushed forward to get a lot of the black vote, to get a lot of the people who are familiar with him in the in the state of Georgia. And then I watched his debate and it sounds more to me like the 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 strategy is to just attack, attack other people's policies, not really have one of your own. And just kind of repeating the party line. And I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, Keegan, I don't know where you stand. Uh, I'm not going to ask you which way you lean, but just kind of give me your view on what the Senate race looks like uh, from your perspective. I know you're in South Carolina now, but you know Georgia just as well as anybody. Yes, I probably, I'm probably better off just not commenting on the political side of things. But yeah, I, I think I will draw the line at mayor. Uh, if if you're a popular person and you're not super experienced in the realm of politics or civic duty, then, you know, I'll give you a mayor run. I liked it when Kane was the mayor of his small town. I was, I'm a big uh, WWE, WWF guy growing up. So it's kind of entertaining to me to see Kane become the mayor. And, you know, if Herschel would like to become a mayor, I'm all for it. But outside of that, it really doesn't matter how much I like you on a political note, if you're not qualified, you're not qualified. And, you know, like Herschel, the football player versus Herschel, the person in media and, you know, some of the things in his personal life that he's had to deal with his struggles with mental health. You know, you, you can somewhat separate the two, but I guess the lines get blurry when you involve it at a level of, you know, voting for someone that's your vote of confidence then you kind of have to do a deep dive and dig. And, you know, it's, it's hard in this era of pulling up people's past to be perfect, but. And no one is, but I think no, it does warrant some, con- just some conversation and some homework to be done. And I think if you go into it with an informed decision, I mean, that's on you. For better or worse, there's a type that goes into politics, you know, and um, it, I'll, I'll judge it by a case by case basis. And I'll assume that, listeners who are uh involved politically or or civic minded will make their own decisions but yeah i just kind of draw the line at mayor (laughs) like that's that's my hot take on that is that you know if you want to be the mayor go for it but if you're using popularity beyond your credentials of just being you know qualified outside of that that's where i kind of draw the line so yeah and, and that's cool like i can i can tell again political Political conversations aren't everybody's favorite, but again, I think you can solve a lot of things by just having a conversation. Uh, I don't think running away from it helps anybody. And again, your opinion is your own and you're warranted to it. But 
another just my two cents on just kind of where I'm at these days. And I would say it's changed. I'm definitely a lot more moderate than I used to be. I'm not really, really concerned with like left and right and conservative and liberal and all that stuff, especially the way I used to be. I just, I just don't care for it because all it does is create division and nobody wins as a, as a, you know, a senator or mayor or president. Again, your job is to work for the people. It's not the other way around. So, you know, again, it goes back to a little bit of character, your policies and your resume. Like, are, can you do the job? Like, that's what I would like to vote for. I know that's rarely what it is, but um, I, I guess just a, the last little bit on it, which I'll talk about is now that I'm kind of looking at it from a bit of a moderate perspective, I have pros and cons for both the conservative and the liberal party. And I was listening to a podcast, Pod, Pod Save America, and um, they they had Obama on there. And Obama was on, on there talking about just kind of the state of things. And I thought it was really... Um, I really appreciated him criticizing the Democratic Party of today. And I think he was absolutely right. Because like for me, like I've always liked what the party of Stead stood for and that it's inclusive or meaning to be inclusive. But some of the things I don't like is the cancel, co- the c- cancel culture that's really permeated society. Like you can't say anything without offending somebody or having everything you've ever worked for taken from you. And again, I'm all about being open-minded. But when does being too open-minded, like when does your brain literally start to fall out? So I think it's it's a fine line. And he was um, the first to criticize. And I think that's healthy. I think it's okay to criticize a party that you favor or don't favor and just call it for what it is. And, you know, on the same token, the conservative party, like, again, me personally, I was raised a little bit with some traditional values. So I don't um, maybe subscribe to everything, but there are some things in that on that side that are important to me. Some people do the fiscal policies which they love and less government being involved in your life like all those things make sense but then again the conservative party kind of has this overarching presence of like not being as accepting of other people so it's kind of hard for people to associate with the party if they don't feel welcome for whatever reason you know uh be it uh race status yeah whatever have you you guys all know what i'm talking about so again Pros and cons to both. That's why I just try to approach it from a bit of uh, a moderate view and just really look at candidates and make a decision off of that. And again, if you haven't voted, uh, you know, just get informed and go do that. So love Herschel. Maybe not somebody that I would particularly pick, but again, I have my reasons why. And I hope you do too, before you make your vote, make your vote. And I guess that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, there's a lot of DGDs I could think of that I would vote for in a heartbeat <laughs> on either on either party line. So I'll, I will go ahead and like follow up what I said by saying I'd vote for uh, DJ Shockley in a heartbeat. I'd vote for uh, Kirby Smart if he ran in a heartbeat. I'd vote for um, Mark Rick if he ran in a heartbeat, you know. So there's there are some guys where I think my uh, UGA bias might win out. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But anyways, we'll we'll make the quick transition into the actual game because that's what the majority of our listeners are here for. Just wanted to touch on that. But UGA Florida, both teams coming off a of bye week. UGA is still number one, seven and zero. Florida, I think even by their standards this year, a bit of a disappointing season at four and three hoping to keep out of four and four. I don't know if that's going to work out for them, but you guys know it good and well. World, The world's largest outdoor cocktail party, and this, especially since COVID's pretty much done or wrapped up, I think it's going to get back to its old ways and St. Simon's and 
Jacksonville and everything surrounding is just going to be electric, even though the Gators might not have the best team that we've seen them field in quite a few years. Yeah, and there's talk. This could be one of the last, you know, hoorahs in Jacksonville. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that we're looking at one of the last ones, or do you think that it's going to be, you know, Jacksonville for another 50 years? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Cheeto? Kirby has been uh, reported several times on his opinion, and he hasn't really moved off of it. Kirby would like to see it go to a home-and-home just so he can host recruits, um, both sides, you know, whether it means they get to go see some people at Florida. For me, I would love, I would, I like the idea of it being a home and home, but at the same time, I really love the fact that it's, it's such an event when it comes to St. Simons, as I mentioned, when it comes to Jacksonville, it's just, that's how I've always known it. So for me to like, I, I love it the way it is. I'm open to change, but at the same time, I've got the nostalgia thing for me, you know what I mean? So I- I'm torn. I think as long as we win the game, I don't care where it's played, (laughs) to be honest to you. But it's just really hard for me to take away the Jacksonville St. Simons thing for me. And I know the I think the money is the only reason keeping it there and money talks at the end of the day. So I don't I don't know how to feel. That's just my take on that. Yeah. And the money flows many different directions, too, because like on the one hand, it's like the universities say it benefits the athletic programs more to have it in Jacksonville. You know, there's a lot more extra revenue up for grabs, but on the other hand, you know, both Gainesville and Athens would pro- stand to profit a great deal more. Absolutely. And obviously Jacksonville doesn't want that happening because by all accounts, it's one of the busiest weekends of the year in Jacksonville. So, absolutely. Halloween weekend. Absolutely. So really what we're looking at is a bunch of people who have stakes in this, you know, uh, money-wise at the end of the day. So I think the money will probably decide the conversation and whatever solution they do have, you know, whatever solution is found, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be because of money and we'll follow up on that and see if that's the case. But I find it kind of humorous and uh, interesting that, you know, it's been more recently that Georgia fans have really wanted to move the game but it did, you know, history shows that it followed a pretty bad run, a 16 and three run where Florida was uh, whipping up on us a little bit. So then all of a sudden we didn't become such fans of it where versus if you just look at the history of this game, you know, it seems to go in streaks. It's like each team will like win most of a decade. You know, that's at least been the case more times than it hasn't been. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like it, whichever team is losing is probably the team that that decade's like, we should really do home and home, <laughs> you know? So I just think that's kind of interesting how that plays out. But uh, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll stay posted on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll stay posted on that. And honestly, it'll, it'll take care of itself. Um, either way it goes, I won't be torn up if it stays, I won't be torn up if it goes to a home and home. So I, I'm fine either way, but uh, let's, let's talk about the game itself and let that take care of itself because UGA and Florida again, coming out of the bye, there's been a lot of stories about the University of Georgia working on themselves, and I know that's a big thing for Kirby. We're not focused on if we get too far ahead, and I know everybody's looking forward to Tennessee, and that's and for very good reason. That game is going to be just monstrous as far as the buildup. But we got Florida first, and I don't think I've ever seen a year to where we've really overlooked, and it's not even overlooked Florida because we know we're better than them, but overlooked Georgia, Florida. You know what I mean? Like. Usually fans are just so hype about this game and it's lost a little bit of its uh, shine because they're not as good. And because we're t- 
Tennessee fans are loud right now. I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm paying more attention, but I've seen a lot more flags and a lot more tags and a lot more uh, mm-hmm. stickers and decals on these cars with orange on them. And I don't like it. <laughs> I've seen a lot of jerseys and hoodies or Nike bags. And I don't like it. So uh, I'm happy for them as a team, uh, but I can't wait for them to come to Athens and hold to that. But again, you see, I get ahead of myself. But um, not only are we working on ourselves as far as practice at UGA, but we need to also get healthy right now. We are still missing A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Carter. Now, from what it looks like or what Kirby's reported in his conferences, Jalen Carter is a little bit closer to returning than A.D. Mitchell, which bodes well for us. Because the way the offense has been clicking most games, I think Jalen Carter and just his, his presence on the defensive line is much more what we need, especially going into Florida. I don't know if our listeners know this. I didn't know this before I did my homework, but Florida actually has the nation's best when it comes to yards per carry. And that is 6.38 yards. That's, that's a lot. That's massive. Now you can't credit all that to just the running scheme and the running back. If there's one thing that Anthony Richardson has done well this year is whether it's a designed run or whether he's got to make plays with his feet. Once the play breaks down, he has largely contributed to those yards per carry um and and which would make sense his arm has his arm hasn't definitely hasn't won them any games i don't know if it's lost them every game they've been in some games but anthony richardson is gonna have to be at his best to beat georgia and that gives me confidence because kirby if kirby is very good at scheming for quarterbacks i think we'll be able to say the same thing after the florida game same thing after tennessee if your quarterback is your entire offense kirby Kirby is going to come and and press you so hard. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to the defensive line really stepping up and uh, making it hard on Anthony Richardson and the Florida offense. Keegan, what 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 have you what have you liked so far or not liked about Florida's season? I know we talk about Billy Napier on here, and we'll we'll touch on Billy Napier as the first time facing UGA. But your impressions of Florida up to this point. Well, the biggest thing is just consistency. I mean, they've played some games where they've looked really good. They've played some games where they have looked really bad. So, obviously, they have some talent, and the potential is there. They have, like, you know, a reinvigorated staff and some new things going on at Florida. And I know you'd like to kind of touch on your familiarity with Coach Napier, but I think overall – it's it's AR-15. I know he doesn't uh, subscribe to the nickname anymore, but – it, it's Anthony Richardson or bust for Florida. I think that's kind of like their ceiling. Obviously, <laughs> there's a lot of players on the field, but you know, if 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 the whole team does well and AR15 doesn't come through for them, more so than uh, than most programs, you know, they can't have him really be a game manager and have Florida be successful. Part of what they're going to have to do is involve him more, and I think you know obviously neutralizing his impact on the game is the biggest thing for Georgia. So I'm not entirely threatened by Florida, but I see a lot of sloppy things that could get cleaned up and presented better against Georgia. So it's just another SEC matchup where Georgia's going to have to be on their P's and Q's if they're going to want to do everything they want to do in this game and dominate appropriately, or else they're you know going to be in a dogfight. And I think Georgia's set up – enough in such a way to be balanced and win regardless against a team like Florida. I think they match up a little bit better against a team like Florida, as opposed to 
a Tennessee or an Alabama that can put up 50 points on your defense if they're not on their game. So overall, I'm confident with where Georgia sits. But yeah, Florida's a team that it's consistency for them. They've played great games. They played sloppy games. So, you know, if we get their best game, it's going to be a really entertaining matchup. And, and we and, you know, Anthony Richardson is one of the best runners, you know, put him on a list with 25 other guys as far as running the ball. So, you know, you got to have our eyes peeled for him. So that's my overall take on the Georgia, Florida uh, situation as far as what I've seen from Florida this far. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right on. I think for us, Florida has been kind of up and down and they've shown some strength. And right now they're, they're one of those teams that are looking when, when Billy Napier came in, you know, it was going to take some time. The recruits are going to come to Florida. That's for sure. But he's got to get his program where he wants. I think they've created an identity with the run game. But again, it takes the program one, two years before they're actually, you know, taking that step. And then not to harp on Tennessee, but again, last year, Tennessee was already showing flashes of having a dangerous offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they've evolved into being one of the top most explosive offensive offenses in the SEC and in the nation. Again, it takes time. It takes a year. It takes continuity. But, you know, it's like, hold up, Tennessee fans. At the end of the day, it's about sustaining that. So it's like, Absolutely. I, I give Tennessee the props, but, you know, will you still be in the conversation last? Like, exactly. Next? Can and, your depth, can your depth withstand a season? Can your defense stop other offenses? Uh, again, and these are things that we're going to talk about as far as the, the matchup, but that's the next step that they have to before they can be considered serious, serious contenders, in my uh, opinion. So let me present you with like an idea here. And this is something that I've just been thinking on a lot. And I agree with like Billy Napier. He wants this win, not so much. So Florida can be a playoff contender. You know, hopefully they get that bowl game is what they're thinking. But the biggest thing is like, if you can have a bad season your first year, I think if you beat Georgia, you get a mulligan. Would you say that's correct? And that those are the steps I'm talking about. Now that's, that's coming from, from him as a head coach, right? right? If you if you beat if you beat if he would have beaten Tennessee, if he beats a Georgia, if he beats a whoever, the fans are going to give him more time to get the program. Now, for the from the program, you want to see those wins to build upon, to build upon. You're building an identity again. Last year, no way Tennessee beats Alabama. This year, they had a little help, but they still beat Alabama. Is Alabama the best of the best that normally they are? No, but it's still a stepping stone for them, and that's. That's what's that's what we're seeing, and that's the difference between where Florida is at and where Tennessee is at. Well, here's the thing we can feel good about is Kirby's four and two against Florida, you know, and you know, I'm lo- he's looking to make it five and two, and I'll give him the 2016 and the uh, the COVID years as like half asterisks, you know, one full asterisk together. And the interesting thing is history shows us that, you know. Maybe the fans aren't as hype, but these coaches know this This is one of those job security games. History shows us in this series, your success in this rivalry is a big part of keeping your job. <laughs> Dan Mullen could not get it done against Kirby. He's gone. Mark Rick really started like stumbling at the end. He, he did, went pretty tit for tat with Urban Meyer, but, you know, he kind of he, he had a little struggle sesh. He, you know, he, he resigned. Uh, and, and conversely, Mark Rick was really whooping up on Ron Zook. He didn't last long. Steve Spurrier put the nail in Ray Goff's coffin in the 90s. And you can go back every single decade and coaches come and go if they don't beat the other team. So I'm not and, saying that. And you uh, can keep that in context because, again, when it comes to your rivals, when it comes to usually Auburn, Tennessee, and Florida, if you're not beating your rivals, 
in the context of conference play, yeah. you're, you're not going to represent the conference. And that means you're not going to go to the playoff or ha- have the end of season success. So those things build on each other. As much as we all want to beat our rivals and, fr- and fans want it, will give you that time. It builds into what your overall season looks like. Right now we have Florida, we have Tennessee, and we have Kentucky in our way. That's what it comes down to. If we, if we never saw them before, they weren't a rival and they're in our conference. We still got to beat them. It do- doesn't yeah. matter. So um, building on that, I want to talk about just for where Florida's been as far as the season, because they did open up with a lot of confidence when they beat Utah 29 to 26. Then they decided, or they decided, they played Kentucky and lost that game 26 to 16, where they gave up 272 total yards, 200 plus passing yards. At Tennessee, they lost by five, 38-33. 594 total yards given up by the defense, 450 passing yards. LSU, last week, 45-35 loss for the Gators. 528 total yards, 350 passing yards. So if you can see a theme there, the defense is not where it has been. Their DBs, again, talking about Will Muschamp, who was the coach there and really had hands-on with the uh, defensive backs. Florida is usually in line with LSU when it comes to DBU. They've always had great DBs and have always really stifled passing games. That is not where they're at right now. So look for the Georgia offense to exploit that, whether it's wide receivers, whoever we deploy, or tight ends running wild. I expect that to be the game plan going in while they focus on the ground game against Georgia's uh, banged up, missing Jalen Carter defensive line. And also missing Dan Jackson. I don't know if you saw the news that he's going to be out for the season now with a stress fracture in his foot. So – you know, Dan Jackson's one of those guys that's added a lot of depth to the secondary. Who can and we look for to replace him as far as depth is concerned? We'll see that we got a, a bunch of guys and we got, you know, we got uh, five stars, four stars, three stars and no stars. <laughs> all all immense. I don't know exactly how Kirby's going to do it, but I mean, Dan Jackson has just been one of those reserve players that has come in in big moments when we've had guys go out. So you know, hopefully it doesn't come to that to where we really notice his present presence, because I guess that would mean that someone else is you know off the field. Where we will miss Dan Jackson, I think, but not so much because he is a physical specimen, just because he's one of those players that's always where he needs to be. Some names to look out for, I think, that may be deployed, whether it's at the safety position or they add in another DB and a dime nickel, whatever package. Tyke Smith. Uh, Javon Bullard, more familiar names for Georgia faithful. Some other names that haven't had a lot of um, recognition. Uh, Ja'Cory Thomas, going to be a special one. Hasn't had a chance to shine yet. This may be it. And then David Daniel Sisavon, I believe is how you say it. Um, Mm. Look for them to play, to fill in where Dan Jackson is not going to be and look for them to really get their name and whether it's next year for the rest of the season to make an impact for this team. Yes, and happy healing to Dan Jackson. That sucks for sure. That that's terrible. But um, we move on. The show has to go on. And Georgia, Florida. As far as memories, um, Keegan, any any special memories from this this series, this rivalry that always sticks out to you? First thing you think of when you think of this this game in Jacksonville? You no, know, I probably give the same answer every we year. We probably we probably yeah. 
I mean, it's just that it's that excessive celebration touchdown in the end zone where <laughs> that's my too. Mark Rick wants a spark, baby. That's the one. That is the one. And I'm just I'm waiting on the year for a Florida coach to be like, we want that highlight too. And the Florida, you know, Florida guys go out and stomp in their end. Zone. Oh, I mean, you you remember Tebow, Tebow and company, they remembered that and they came back the next year and, and bashed our head in pretty good. But the gator, <laughs> the gator stomp of 2007 is and again, I think the fact that it was so out of character for Mark Richt was exactly. was just just perfect. And I saw a piece where he didn't mean for the whole bench to clear. He he wanted the people on the field to celebrate. But I think it just it just so much better to have the whole <laughs> sideline, you know. And then in that game, No. Marino, my favorite running back, 188 yards rushing. Tebow sacked six time, held to career or season lows. I believe it was probably in passing yards. Um, uh, but it, it's a rivalry, and it's one that Georgia fans just absolutely love to hate Florida. Uh, last meeting, UGA won 34-7. to seven, And per UGA, because there's an argument about how many times we've played, per UGA, Georgia leads 54-44. to 10-win cushion, two ties, instead of the 53-44, and 44, which Florida does not count. Obviously, since it's a loss, why would they count it? But um, And the last thing before I pick six, because we're getting a little low on time, there are some people that are already picking Tennessee, you know, number two, number one, because their resume is strong right now. But as we start this November stretch by season end, our resume is going to be the best in the country, especially the way Oregon has looked. South Carolina's looked better. And then some of the other teams that we haven't beat or have already beat are going to look better along with this stretch. Um, and you ain't going to need indeed for this at all. This resume is going to shine. This November run is really going to determine how real this team is and what our real hopes are for repeating. And we'll get to that as we get there. But So when it comes down to it, these two teams are going to go at it and it's a rivalry and absolutely anything can happen at any given moment. But Keegan, do you have, do you feel good about giving a score prediction for this game this weekend? I do. I do. It was interesting because I went back and listened to the 2020 recap where you know Stetson Bennett uh was just kind of getting his feet wet he kind of got thrown into the fire they really didn't trust him a lot on offense uh they you know didn't really open it up with him and then at the end of the day Georgia took a pretty big L so that you know that is not the case now Stetson Bennett has been clicking the offense is firing on all cylinders I expect them to have an unleashed Stetson Bennett with continuity and you know Throughout the, the slight ups and downs of the season, overall, Georgia has remained consistent. I don't believe Florida is consistent enough to, to win this game. And it takes consistency to even have a shootout, which is what, you know, in a best-case scenario, might favor Florida, maybe. They haven't been consistent all season. Give me Georgia, 40-17, to 17, dogs on top. Oh, I was going to go 48-17, to 17, but that's a little bit close to yours. Give me, give me, do, 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 give me dogs. Give me the 50 piece. Give me, <laughs> give me, just give me 52, 52 to 12. Give me 52 to 12. I'm just going to go with something random. Hit it. All right. Well, you heard it here first, Dog Nation. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. And then, and then obviously for our vaunted, our legendary pick six, Keegan, what you got for us this week, man? Ohio State has not been tested. Well, hardly all season. Barely. Now they got Penn State. I think Ohio State's going to pull it on through and keep on rolling. Their offense looks solid. Their defense looks a little, yeah. 
but their their offense looks like a uh, you know Tennessee on steroids. So who who do you favor in this matchup? And can Penn State actually pull off an upset? I really I really have been pulling for Penn State and their in upset bids all season long, but they really really let me down the last time I picked them. I know it's at home, so I think that they're really going to give Ohio State a little bit of trouble since they haven't been tested. But honestly, I just think that offense is too much for to overcome and too much for Penn State. Give me Buckeyes coming out on top. Buckeyes, all right. You know, this week wasn't necessarily sexy as far as, like, the games I wanted to look at. Like, a lot of these games, I just, I just didn't want to take chances. There's a lot of iffy games, which, I mean, m- might make it a weekend as far as TV goes because it might mean for a lot of close games, but – you know, you got a lot of teams that really need to win. Speaking of teams that need to win, and <laughs> Texas A&M has got to be towards the top of that list. They had such high hopes going into the season. They got all this money thrown at their staff, more NIL deals than you can count, and they are got all these players injured, Got uh, reportedly they got dudes smoking weed in the locker room. Things are a little bit messy down there in College Station. They need to win big time. Do you think they can pull one off against Ole Miss, who, you know, just took an L? No. Is Ole Miss going to take it? Nope. I like Ole Miss bouncing back. I think what people are starting to see is Jimbo, he he just – he really comes off as just a guy who's full of it, Uh, honestly, just from the way he's reacted with the Nick Saban thing to start the season, the way he responds to reporters after they've lost. He just really comes off as a guy who's full of it. He doesn't seem like he's – the the captain that's really going to hold the ship together when it's about to sink. And I think that's what we're seeing. And at this point, I think Texas, Texas A&M for now, for this season, they are just who we think they are. I like Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin just coming, coming in there and lighting up the scoreboard and just drowning, drowning Texas A&M and sinking the ship even further. Give me the rebels. <laughs> hey, we might see that now, Tennessee is going to be as tempted as we are this week to look ahead. But they got Kentucky. You know, it's it's a home game, but Kentucky, they, they're playing for pride. They got Will Levis back. They got some dudes now, and we thought Kentucky was going to be about as good as Tennessee. Absolutely. This, we thought they were going to be that second team in the SEC. So do you think Kentucky can pull an upset, or is Tennessee – looking at you know another stomping personally i see tennessee taking this one maybe getting tested i don't know what do you think Cheeto? yeah i'm gonna be a little bit of a hater right now i'm gonna (laughs) hear me out hear me out as to why i think georgia admittedly is looking forward to seeing tennessee and i think tennessee they're in a place that they haven't been in as a program in a long time they're looking forward to georgia they're thinking about all the things that are going to come with beating georgia beating the number one team and leading the SEC East and getting to go to the SEC Championship, which may happen. And I think Kentucky's going to go into Neyland Stadium and catch them slipping. Styles make fights. I like Kentucky because they can control the ground game. Will Levis is back, as you said, and they have a very staunch defense. Passing defense, I'm not so sure about, but we'll find out very quick. I just like them controlling the clock, holding possession, keeping Tennessee's offense off the field. Very disciplined game. Again, it took 17 penalties. I know it's Alabama, but still, 17 penalties. Kentucky's a lot more disciplined. I think they come out and they and they ruin Tennessee's early early hype going down the stretch in November. Uh, well, that wouldn't surprise me. Just the way things go in SEC football, I guess we'll see if Tennessee is for real. Because you know, whether they lose to Georgia or not, 
Uh, if you make it that far in your season undefeated in the SEC, that's yeah. a um, in itself. So and I think I'll, I think a loss to Kentucky really puts them back on schedule. If you ask fans at the beginning of the season how good they thought they were going to be, I think most of them two losses at least, two losses at least three realistically. I think they would probably thought they would lost to Alabama, Georgia, and then you know however something else goes. So I think Kentucky puts them back. Maybe it's still two losses. You beat Alabama, but Kentucky and Georgia kind of put you back on what people thought that's that's my thinking and i'm a bit of a hater so you know whatever. a little bit of sobering <laughs> up uh, i feel that all right two teams that de- you know definitely need a win in the sec keeping it in the league arkansas traveling to auburn who do you cheeto i you know sam Pittman's our guy auburn stank uh i personally am looking at arkansas to put a stomping on auburn and you know give some confidence back to Arkansas that they are at least uh, uh at least a mid-tier SEC West team if not a uh you know top two or three what are your thoughts on it I got Arkansas big um does Auburn you know put a whooping on them at home I mean you'd think they might definitely not I'm going to Arkansas whoop pig suey okay 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 well my last pick of the pick six is the East Carolina Pirates traveling over there to uh, Brigham Young University, that's BYU over there in Utah. So, you know, I like ECU's colors. I like, I've always kind of liked the purple on jerseys. You know, uh, I, I like the pirates in general. You know, when I got my hair kind of grown out scruffy, I kind of look like the mascot, kind of dig it. I'm taking EC, ECU for no other reason other than that. And I know they got a good coach. I'll say that. Uh, who, do you, who do you like in that matchup, ECU or uh, BYU? Um, shout out to, uh, the skit, the old, the old Key and Peele skit, Joseph Smith, BYU. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Never gets old. Uh, all right. Well, guys, that's, it's been another good episode of, uh, Dogs Off the Leash. Great episode. Had a lot to get in, but again, hope you guys are, you know, just, just following where we're at. Some, some relevant things we want to. We want to do a little bit some more off-topic stuff, not just Georgia football, fit everything is. Uh, and Keegan, I appreciate your insight. Always appreciate it. Dog Nation, uh, I hope you guys enjoy, and I hope you guys have a great weekend, Halloween weekend. Go dogs! Can't wait to get back with you after we end up um, hopefully embarrassing Florida. Love this rivalry, Dog Nation. Always appreciate it. And as always, guys, you know what it is. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.